We are your home for exclusive interviews and behind-the-scenes stories you won't hear anywhere else. This is all about Kentucky tracks, Kentucky drivers, and Kentucky fans. We eat, sleep, and breathe it anyways, so we figured why not make a podcast about it. For 11 years, we've been keeping the bluegrass covered in dirt. Now, we're doing it bigger than ever before. We are Kentucky's Dirt Racing Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live, presented by Smokehouse Grill and Buffet. And welcome in to the uh, Bluegrass Construction Restoration and Construction Studios here on Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live. Uh, another edition here, Wes, and uh, racing season is upon us finally it's been uh been a long off season leading up to last weekend we finally kicked off the 2023 season over at uh, thunder mountain speedway and man it just feels really good to stop uh to, to be able to stop talking about it and, and and start being about it uh just just it's, it's the best time of the year right now it's it's race season and and uh and and so it's gonna have just uh some good stuff to talk about uh coming up here on the on the podcast and and we're we're all just just really excited to get this season underway yeah it's here um uh, as you mentioned last weekend uh the first race in the in the state of kentucky with with thunder mountain speedway opening up um race season's here it's uh it's what we've been waiting for and uh anticipated and it is here uh another great show we've got on tap uh for everybody tonight uh going to be talking with uh ace claiborne and uh, jamie mosley um so yeah really really looking forward to uh to tonight and uh i'm ready buddy let's go yeah yeah i'm with you we're ready for it before and i uh, do want to mention quickly this segment is sponsored by Dirtman diecast for your late model sprint car and other things uh diecast uh be sure to check out dirtmandiecast.com uh nick dillow is local right here in the state of kentucky you'll probably see him set up at some of the racetracks selling selling those diecasts but like i said shop local uh get on his website check those out uh, i know everybody out there needs some needs some diecast race cars uh see those all the time so be sure to check out dirtmandiecast.com do want to mention as well that you can call the uh, racetrack connection hotline that number is 859-412-1287 wes i think i've got that fixed this time so those calls should come through so i want to give you the opportunity to call our hotline uh, here tonight uh, please do we're going to have a couple drivers on here with us as you mentioned uh, ace claiborne to begin with he picked up his first late model win this past weekend at thunder mountain speedway so we're going to have him on with us and then uh, jamie mosley a little bit later on in the show so a lot of good stuff to get to and and uh, and, and we're excited about it uh you know one one thing i want to get to real quick wes you know we talked earlier in the season you were going to have an opportunity to wheel uh, a race car at this point, that hasn't worked out, but I really need our, our viewers and listeners on here with us to help me out with something. So uh, I've actually got, as I told you earlier, man, I've got an opportunity to, to wheel a race car again myself, uh, but I'm kind of torn about it. I really, man, I'm just not sure that, that I want to do it, mainly because 
my my best buddy uh, Tyler Rigsby. We grew up together in school together. We we've been best friends for I don't know man a long time, and uh, I'd really like to keep it that way. On one hand. Uh, on the other hand, I'd like to drive a race car as well because that's always fun. Uh, but my biggest fear is going out and, 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 and hurting or worst case scenario, destroying his race car. I just, I really don't want that to happen. And I say, I need you to give me some pointers, you Wes, and then all of our, our listeners also in the comment section, tell me what you think, because Tyler's, he gave me the option to, to use some of his equipment in the past and it didn't turn out so well. I remember when we were younger, um, we had a mowing business and he would usually do the mowing because it was his, his, his lawnmower. But, uh, he gave me the opportunity to drive his lawnmower when he said, here, just do this last little part. And uh, I'll finish up with something else. And I was on that thing like five minutes, and I hit a tree root. And, I mean, I'm telling you, dist- absolutely destroyed the deck on that lawnmower. Um, I just I have a tendency to, to destroy things. Last year, I went to Lake Cumberland Speedway with him, first practice. He was excited, built a brand-new motor in the offseason last, you know, last year. And the motor blew while I was at practice with him. Uh, and then we were, we were trying to load the car up and he had it, he had it, he had it, uh, you know, he had it, uh, ready to go on the trailer and we were kind of sitting on a hill and Dustin Linville and, and a couple of his crew were parked behind us. And I thought he said, get the chalk, meaning, you know, get the wheel chalk. So he was already out of the race car and I reached over and grabbed the wheel chalk out of the tire. Well, he wasn't in the car, and there was nothing holding the car, so the car takes off backwards downhill. And I stand there, and I, I try to reach out and grab a hold of the car, you know, like I'm going to stop the car, you know, pure muscle. And he reaches in last second and turns the wheel just enough to, to stop, you know, stop the, stop the car from going down the hill. So I almost destroyed his race car, and I've never even drove it. So I'm just curious, what do you think? Uh, do, do you think I should take the chance of of destroying my buddy's race car by actually being in the driver's seat or should i just should i just hang up the helmet for good and everybody listening let let me know what you think i, I need everybody's input on this because i really i, I don't want to make the wrong decision here you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean and uh as bad as i know that that you uh are excited and for the opportunity and, and would like to get back behind the wheel um Tyler looked really good at practice. Uh, the videos that I saw yeah. um, from Rockcastle last weekend, and uh, he, he's got a good piece, got a new motor in it. And uh, just to hear your track record between him and and you and equipment and race cars, and I hate to say this, buddy, but I'm going to have to say just sit there and watch him practice, you know, and, and – pass on the opportunity say buddy i don't want to tear your car up yeah i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking that might be the that might be the safest bet for sure um you know like i said i wouldn't want to destroy his race car on the other hand it is a lot of fun to wheel a race car i mean i have to tell you it it really is it's it's a whole lot of fun so i'm still kind of torn about it i've got a couple comments here a couple people say terry bryant says go for it uh, so he disagrees with you, Wes. And Angie, she's one of our biggest fans. I, I really don't think Angie, you know, on one hand, I know you're my buddy, 
uh, and you wouldn't steer me in the wrong direction, but Angie's one of our biggest, uh, our, uh, basically she's our only uh, female <laughs> supporter, it seems like. Uh, and she says never pass up an opportunity to, to race a car. So um, I don't know, I'm still, I'm torn, uh, but possibly I could be making a return to the driver's seat this Saturday at, at Rockcastle Speedway for open practice in Tyler Rigsby's race car. Uh, we'll see. I'm going to keep thinking about it and uh, and just just see see how, you know. I, maybe I'll wait till Saturday morning, see how I'm feeling, and just kind of go from there on yeah. this whole deal. Yeah, that, that gut instinct. See how you feel Saturday morning. Yeah, caution says do it. Uh, so I don't know, you know what, like I said, we'll see, uh, guys, if you don't care if you're watching with us, uh, we don't have as many people on here as I'm used to seeing. I know it's spring break around here. Everybody around's on spring break. So that probably has a lot to do with it. If you don't mind, uh, hit the share button. Let's try to get this out to some more people. Our viewership's kind of down tonight. Let's, let's get that up a little bit, or at least, at least try to thank you to everyone, uh, out there listening and watching with us. And thank you for that input. Like I said, I might make a return to the driver's seat this this coming uh saturday at, at rock castle uh speedway and sarah says if i drive i'll wreck slow so yeah that's my wife so that's how, it shows you how much don't hit the hard white things they don't move <laughs> yeah yeah that's probably some good advice too so i, I appreciate that well, we'll see i don't know i I, I might just do it, uh, but, but we'll just have to see. So, well, let's go ahead and get to, to some of the action here. Uh, uh, quit talking about myself and get to some of the real action. Uh, Wes, this past weekend, Saturday night, I got to make my first ever trip to Thunder Mountain Speedway. And I uh, didn't have a chance to get up there last year, unfortunately. Wanted to, but my schedule just at the end of the year wouldn't wouldn't work out. And I know you got to go over there the week before to a practice session. But I'm going to tell you about three or four things there from my experience at the at the at Thunder Mountain Speedway from this this uh, past weekend. The first thing I want to say is when you walk up to that place, like initially just walking up, you park and you're walking up through there. It feels like you're at a top notch facility. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. walking by that wall that they built there around the racetrack and you're walking up the, up the paved sidewalk, you know, into the facility. And it feels like a top notch facility. And I'm just going to tell you, it feels like it because it truly is a top notch facility. It is absolutely unbelievable what they've built up there in Corbin, Kentucky, or I should say down there in Corbin, Kentucky. It is absolutely an amazing facility. Uh, bathrooms, grandstands, uh, the concession stands. I mean, everything is just absolutely top-notch, and it's almost unbelievable. Like, you can't believe that it's really that nice of a place, but it truly is. You know what I'm talking about. Second thing is, I ate the best cheeseburger I've ever had at a racetrack, I'm telling you. It was like an actual patted out, real cheeseburger, and I was so excited about it. A cheeseburger and a Pepsi at a racetrack, man, it was just awesome. Another thing, third thing, friendly people. I'm telling you, they are the most friendly, incredibly friendly folks you'll ever meet. Not just the, the family that, that runs the place, of course, the Bartons, but everybody there involved 
the drivers as well. I get there first thing. The drivers meeting is uh, is breaking up, and I see uh, Blake Brown and Ben Petrie, and you know, just uh, so so good to see some some of our people there, and and uh, and all the other drivers as well. It was just just a really good experience. It was cold. I just about froze to death. I'm telling you, the wind it was like 40 degrees. The wind was blowing 40 mile an hour. Uh, I saw my buddy Josh Asbury over there, and I walked past him. He had a Carhartt on and a hoodie, and, like, all I could see was his eyeballs, and I just started laughing. It was so cold, but the place was packed with people, I'm telling you. The grandstands were full, which I couldn't believe for how cold it was. So just cool to see, and, of course, the, the racing was, was great in every class, but uh, it really is a great experience at, at Thunder Mountain Speedway. And I know you, you didn't get to go this past weekend, but you went to practice up there and you had a good time with that too. Yeah. I, I really hated that. Uh, I didn't get to go with you uh, for opening night because um, it, uh, it truly, um, when I got to go for practice, I, I, I could tell how special um, that, the track, you know, is going to be uh, this season and had a great field of cars come out for practice uh, on that Sunday evening. And uh, so that was that was really cool. And uh, just like I said, I hate I hate that I was uh, unable to, to go with you Saturday night and uh, just glad you had such a good good time there. And uh, I told you that you would. Uh, I, I yeah. talked it up and and I know. I uh, mentioned in our in our last show um, about you know the practice and the drivers that I got to talk to and and uh, the the track surface. I mean everything was great. So um, yeah, I, yeah, that was another thing. It rained so much on on Friday night. Like I mean, yeah. it rained so much here. I thought there's no way they're going to be able to get that surface in in racing condition. I mean, it rained a lot and you can go back and watch the videos on race rumble uh racing rumble jeff soxy does those videos he's got them posted on youtube you can see man i'm not i'm not kidding you that that surface was absolutely perfect i mean it was absolutely perfect and with the amount of rain that they they took on i was really shocked that they were that that was even possible but it really was yeah that's uh that's awesome. I, I know uh, I talked to you on your way home. You you called me and you know gave me an update on everything and said you was froze to death. Said your feet was froze, your hands was froze, but you said all <laughs> in all, just a just an awesome night of racing. So that's yeah. uh that's great. Hats off to to Thunder Mountain and their staff, and uh, looking forward to to getting down there for a for a race soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you'll be down there. In fact, they're racing again. Regular show this Saturday night over at Thunder Mountain Speedway. And, uh, and I'm going to see how the schedule lines up, but I'd like to get back down there again. Some of our other tracks are going to start picking up here in the coming weeks, but they've got a couple of weeks here uh, last week and then this week where they're kind of starting starting the season early. So, um, just, you know, like I said, great, great, great show. And, well, another thing that happened there on Saturday Night West was uh, the uh, Thunder Mountain Speedway produced a, a first-time winner in late models, uh, Ace Ace Claiborne, and Ace has uh, been kind enough 
to join us uh, here on the Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live podcast. Uh, he's on the uh, Racetrack Connection hotline. Uh, this segment is sponsored by the Detail Shop. I own it, but Wes, you know, I took money just like every other sponsor, put it in our account. Uh, but uh, if you need a detail and you're in the uh, Madison County or surrounding areas, don't worry about it. We'll come to you. We are mobile. We've got a water tank, everything we need in a trailer. We'll come clean your car up and, and roll back away. You don't have to bring it, drop it off somewhere. We'll, we'll take care of it all for you. Um, so, uh, But we do have uh, Ace Claiborne on the uh, Racetrack Connection hotline with us. Big win last Saturday night, first late model win. Ace, congratulations on that, and thank you for joining us on the podcast here this evening. Appreciate you having me, and thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, no, no problem at all. Uh, so you, I got to be honest with you. Seeing you out there on the track all night, you were, you were set, you were, you were set on go, man. Um, I don't know if you had much of a challenge to be honest with you when, when they said, uh, when they said you were, you had never won a late model race before. I was kind of surprised because you didn't look like a first time winner uh, out there. Uh, but, but how did it feel? you know, going through that night and picking up that first, first late model win last weekend. It felt good. Uh, last year when they had, they had a dirt on it and, uh, it was, re- I had a different car at the time and it was real hard to get around through there. And, uh, I went and got a new car off the Maulers, had a, you know, Skylar Marler and all of them. And, uh, mm-hmm. I went out there and I hit the track and, I the car just it just went and I'm like, you know, and so I came back in and Dad said I set fast time. I'm like, well, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he he just kept on telling me he's like, do not jump the start. He said you start the race. I'm like, all right, all right. And I and I race late models, you know, for about a year now. And uh, he said just do not jump that start. And uh, I took off and my flagman he said. I had these sticks. He had one arm on the ground and one arm to the moon. I'm like, I'm checked out already in this three laps. <laughs> <laughs> but that, and then feature, I, I done the same exact thing. And it was a good night and one of the best yeah. nights in a long time. Yeah. So it sounds That's like awesome. it was, it was, yeah. It sounds like it was kind of a surprise to you, uh, being as fast as you were at least. <laughs> yeah. So did the Marlers, uh, you know, you said you bought the car from the Marlers, but did they help you? I'm assuming maybe some was set up, or or how how did you get a car that fast right out the right out the gate oh, this year? Skyler, uh, he he's one of our good. We've known the Marlers forever, and uh, he was getting modified, and he's like, "You want to buy this car?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah," because we had an XR1, and it just wasn't working at the time for us. Like it it just wasn't consistent in every race. We'd go out for. Uh, qualifying we qualified third and we got the heat race and dropped dead dead last and uh he's like you want to buy this i'm like sure and and we know these longhorns have been working good give it a t- test out and uh every every time i mean any questions i ask him he i mean just like that and he was he was there saturday night with us and i went i was went back over there when i qualified the pole he's like i was like what do i need to change he's like I know you did not just ask me that. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> like, I'm like ah, I guess I know the answer to that. <laughs> but they're, they're, yeah. they're, he's a really big help on the car. Anytime I ask for something, he's, I mean, he's on the dot with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm sure they're yeah. good. 
good people to have in your in your corner for sure. The oh, yeah. the Marlers are, yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, how? So you already answered my second question, uh, Wes. I'll, I'll let you throw in one too, man. Go ahead. But uh, how you said you've been in a late model for like just over a year now. So did you? Was it just last year and then and then starting this year? Is that is that your experience in a late model? Uh, yeah, roughly about right at the end of twenty twenty one. We bought a we bought the XR one and we we took it to four eleven for the hangover. And that's the only time we, we ran the car. Then we just ran it all year last year. And it, it was a good car for a starter car, but it just yeah. wasn't enough for us. Yeah. Gotcha. What about before that uh, previous experience, before you before you jumped in a late model, what, what's your what's your racing background? Uh, probably when I was probably about five years old, I, had, I got in a go-kart, dirt go-kart. I probably raced him until I was probably 13. I got in a gotten modified around 14 and i raced it all the way up to 20 the end of 21 then i ended up getting in a late model i got you okay yeah so so a few years of experience yeah. uh pretty there for sure pretty good uh pretty good amount of years in the in the racing business uh mm-hmm. so that's that's cool and and uh tell us a little bit you know kind of what's your what's your thoughts as far as uh, the difference from going from that modified to to that late model. Uh, the modified, it, it you know you got so much smaller of a tire on there too. Uh, they're a lot harder to drive in the late model, and the late model they're they're fun to drive, but the modified you they're just so much harder to drive, and you get the more fun out of it. But meantime, you're going a lot faster in the late model, and you get you know, scares you a little bit if you're going a little too fast, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. but the modifier is just, it was just a lot harder to drive. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Thunder Mountain seems like a, a fun track to drive too. I mean, you can really roll that thing around there going through one and two, something I noticed, you know, there just being my first time, but then, but then you get into three, like to me, it seems like, especially for someone to win their first race, it's, it's kind of a driver's track. I mean, those turns one and two as opposed to three and four are so much different, uh, especially like early on when the track was, you know, had a lot of moisture in it and qualified in hot laps, man, people were really having to get on the, on the binders there. It, it can't be an easy, easy track to drive either. seems to me like. No, uh, it's, it's a hard track. Last year when we went, I said, I'm never coming back here. Then, uh, luckily I went back <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, it, it, the walls just it, the track scares me myself which it's a fun track don't you? and the walls is the way they shaped out and they just cut right back in it scares me a little bit because them walls come up super fast and the dirt way it keeps so much it kept so much moisture in it last race and it was perfect the whole night and uh that bottom you just you just rub the bottom all the way around and you just i mean you just shoot straight off the corner i mean it it's fast track for what it is yeah. 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 It it is. Yeah. I'm with you, Wes. You you know that as well uh yeah. being there for practice. But that surface has made a made a huge difference in that place. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh Ace, uh like I said it it was it was just really it was awesome to to be there and and to see that that was your first win in a in a late model um 
uh, I was glad I got to be there to 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 see that. Uh, sorry to everyone else in the crate division that was uh, late model division that was there because, like I said, it wasn't much of a race, man. You just you kind of ran off and left them. It seemed like surprised yourself and ran off and left them all night. But it was good to see good to see you get that. Having said that, you got off to about the best start anybody can get off to, come out in 2023 and pick up your first win. So, uh, what's what are your plans moving forward? Uh, in, into 2023 what are, you, what are you going to be doing the rest of the year uh we we're planning on running some big shows we we talked serious about going to uh, i-75 this weekend for the 7500 to win but that thunder mountain that's the first time sitting in the car we, we went to clarksville and it, it just rained it out every night and for the first time sitting in the car i you know I, i've done good you know i ended up winning and that's pretty good of a night but uh, me and Dad just talked it through and just said we I need some more laps in the car before I go some any big money races and but we we plan on hitting some pretty big races this year throughout the year. Good deal. Yeah. I don't blame you with that kind of start. I'd I'd do that too. So yeah, no no doubt. I'd I'd hit some I'd hit some big races soon, especially if you're on that roll. And if you have anything come up, you can call Skyler, and he'll probably just tell you to leave it the same because it sure was passed on <laughs> on Saturday night. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Wes, I know you've got at least one question you like to ask everybody or, or a request from the drivers that we have on here, if, if nothing else. Go ahead, buddy. Well, I, I've got to bring this up because this, this looked intriguing. Uh, our old buddy Greg Miller said uh, that <laughs> you've got to be watched at a Waffle House after the race. Tell us tell us about your, your little Waffle House uh, excursions, if you would. Uh, so after the race uh... – we uh it just cracks me up we all me and the smiths we he, our buddies they live just right down the road from us and greg he he lives about 30 minutes from us and he came to the racetrack at night and you know i got a win so i was like you know we go eat some waffle house you know about 12 o'clock at night i'm like i'm hungry <laughs> and uh he gets out there and this lady comes up to me and she gave him her food i was like will you just tell him to sing happy birthday for him and it wasn't his birthday and Oh, he, he started throwing his hands up and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, everybody, the whole restaurant was just laughing. I'm, and he says he's going to get me back one day. So we say, like, it was, I'm pretty sure today's his actual birthday. I'm not for sure, though. Oh, okay. Well, if it is, if it is yeah. your actual birthday, happy, happy birthday, buddy. You, yeah. you, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well deserved. <laughs> hey, it's just a week early. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, not, what, not too but, bad. What better way to celebrate? You know, you got the win, and and then eating at the Waffle House after the races. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good birthday present right there. Yeah, don't get no better than that. Last time me and Wes went to the Waffle House after a race, they were closed. I'm like, when did the Waffle House start closing? Yeah. Never in my life I've been to a Waffle House. They said, guys, we're, we're closing up. I'm like, what? <laughs> Since when does Waffle House close? But see, what happens is you go to a race with Wes. We went to Tazewell, and I said, you know what? I'm so happy we're going to be getting out of here. That The racing was over at 10 o'clock. Unbelievable. I love it. You know, get through it. Get, it, get the fans out of there. What more can you ask for? They got us out there at 10 o'clock. I said, man, I'm starved to death. We're going to get on the road. We're, we're going to be out of here. We're going to be sitting at the Waffle House by 1030. And we walk over in the pits, and Wes finds some stranger, somebody he never met in his life, and he starts talking. And two hours later, it's midnight. We're still standing there talking to this guy. And I'm thinking, man, 
Are we ever going to get out of this place? And, and so I learned my lesson. Next time I go to the races with Wes, I'm driving separate. I'm getting out of there, and I'm going to the Waffle House. He gets he gets talking so much, the Waffle House closes down. So you might have to pack you a little lunchbox, Josh. Well, you'll have uh, next a time, if I go to the race with you again, <laughs> you bet I will. <laughs> so you'll find somebody to talk to. I guarantee you that. Absolutely, we closed yep. the place, didn't we? We did. Yeah, the the Dagon <laughs> track owner is sitting there waiting on Wes to close the gate. He won't shut up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. So that's what you get when you go to the racetrack with World Wide West. Um, yeah. yeah, well, like I said, it's a good start for you, man. We we do appreciate you coming on the on the show here with us tonight. It's been fun catching up with you, um, and we'll we'll have you back on here sometime soon. Congratulations on that on that big win. I want to give you a chance before we let you go. Uh, to thank all your sponsors and all the people that uh, help help make your uh, your racing adventures possible. Uh, first thing, my my mom and dad they're they're the they're the show. They got the money, you know. They they're the ones <laughs> making it all happen, you know. They they wasn't for them, you know. I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And uh, Sun Pools, uh, that's a they're one of the, one of our biggest sponsors too, and. Uh, uh, Dawson and all the Smiths, they, they're a big help too. I mean, they're one of the biggest parts of it. And my, my brother, they're, those are the main parts of, you know, getting to the racetrack and trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. We, we wish you the best, uh, throughout this, this upcoming season. And again, thank you. Thank you for coming on here. Congratulations on that big first late model win this past weekend at Thunder Mountain Speedway. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. You're very welcome. What's uh what's your plans this weekend? Where, where uh, you gonna head to? I'm most likely gonna come to Thunder Mountain. I, I got the car ready to go tonight and I'm just uh wrapping some tires up and getting them getting them ready too, so trying to make it there. Yeah, yeah, I believe that that's probably a, a pretty good plan after after the show you put on last weekend. I'm hoping to do it again, so Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we hope so too, and I hope to hope to see you down there this weekend. We'll we'll uh, we'll see you see you there. Hopefully, if everything works out, that's the plan. All right, All right. thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you for you. joining us. All right, Ace Claiborne on the Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live uh, Hotline. Uh, Racetrack Connection Hotline, I guess I should say. But uh, young young guy already having success, only a year kind of surprised me there when he said that he only started you know really pretty much for the for the to, to amount to anything racing a late model uh last year and there was some there was some stiff competition at thunder mountain on saturday night you know uh and so pretty cool to see him him pick up that that win to start off his only his second second season behind a, the wheel of a late model yeah it it was really cool and then you know, like you touched on earlier, he he surprised himself uh, to to get yeah. that jump in the heat race and look and you know see his spotter the way way he was, um, you know showing his sticks. So, uh, yeah, just looks like a bright future for for him and uh, a great start to twenty twenty three. 
Yeah, for sure. And Mark here says he's only he's only seventeen, so uh, young young guy there, and and should have asked him about about that because you could tell you know he's he's a young guy. So yeah. good for him, and love to see it. Love to see young racers uh, having success. One of the things we want to do on the podcast here in the coming weeks is have some of our youngest uh, will men and possibly and women. women. Yeah, if there if there's some out there uh, on the podcast and have have some of them on and just sort of give them, you know, put the spotlight on them because they're they are our future. You know, as we go, as we move forward, man, they're they're the future of our of our sport as far as racers go here in the state of Kentucky. So we need to we need to get to know them a little bit for sure. Yes, we we definitely do. And uh, they they are the future. Um, and, to, to put a spotlight on them, uh, that just makes them work that much harder, uh, in the yeah. garage and on the track and, uh, kind of gives them a, gives them a little spotlight and, uh, to kind of, kind of tell us as fans who they are and, and, uh, what, what they, uh, you know, enjoy doing on and off the track. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I enjoy getting to know getting to know all these guys just uh, just a little bit. Well, we're going to take a commercial break here on the podcast Pacing Bills when we come back, we're going to be joined by Jamie Mosley. Wes, I would be honest with you. I didn't know he I had no idea that he was a former NASCAR Xfinity Series and Craftsman Truck Series driver. Uh no, I've known of Jamie from the racetrack and you know for for several years here locally around the dirt tracks but i did not know that i also knew he was the laurel, laurel county uh jailer i knew those uh-huh. two things but i didn't know that he was a former uh that he was a former uh xfinity series and truck series driver so pretty cool we're gonna have him on the podcast with us hang in hang in there we'll be back here in just uh, just a few minutes to to chat with uh jamie mosley racetrack connection is a social media app designed specifically for racing On the app, you can find a track, find a driver, review and print track schedules, and use the chat feature to communicate with other fans and drivers at any event. There's even a map feature where you can locate racetracks all across the U.S., plus many other features all for free. Download the Racetrack Connection app today. Donnie Kaufman used to say, it's good enough to make your tongue slap your brains out, honey. That's what we think about the home cooking at Smokehouse Grill and Buffet in Berea. Choose from the delicious options on their home-style buffet and salad bar or order from the full menu. Not to mention their desserts and some of the best breakfast you'll ever eat. We promise you'll never be disappointed with this racing family-owned business. Visit their friendly staff and grab a bite to eat. Located just off exit 77 in Berea. Hi there, I'm Alan Feldhouse Jr., head basketball coach at Madison Central High School. Here at MCHS, we have built a winning team. I'd like to tell you about another local winning team, family-owned and operated Bluegrass Restoration and Construction. They specialize in roofing, general construction, and home maintenance services. Just like on the court, you need a team that will work together to get the job done, and that's exactly what BRC does. Give them a call at 859-353-1133. Road Tribe. 
All right, welcome back into the Bluegrass Restoration and Construction Studio. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Extreme Style Signs and Graphics. Uh, be sure to give them a call for all your sign graphic and screen printing uh, needs. We are now joined here on the podcast by Jamie Mosley, uh, the former, as I said, NASCAR Xfinity Series and Craftsman Truck Series driver who has returned to his roots uh, of local dirt racing. We're glad to have him back here in the in the bluegrass state, back racing uh, locally with us. Uh, Jamie currently wheels an open wheel modified in the Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio area. Uh, he's also been the Laurel County jailer since uh, 2011, elected there for, for that position. So, uh, Jamie, uh, thank you for joining us on the uh, Racetrack Connection Hotline. It's good to have you here on the podcast. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys having me. I'm, uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, all day. Yeah. Well, good. That that's what that is exactly that's what we like to hear, Wes. We we yes. want to have people who are excited to excited to come on here with us and talk racing. Well, I always love to talk racing. That's the one thing. Even far before I was ever got the opportunity to drive anything, even a go kart, I was a fan at a yeah. very very young age and. Um, you know, usually if I'm not racing, I, I love to go and, and watch races somewhere. So that part of it's never went away, regardless of all the opportunities I've had. I've, I've, I've never um, really stopped being a fan the whole entire time. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. You look at tonight's show, we go from Ace Claiborne, the young gun, to Jamie Mosley, the, the Riley veteran. Uh, we're, so. sure, we're sure covering the opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> a, a 17 year old young man that's just won his first race to me so i uh i, I hope that uh i hope that he gets to enjoy that journey as much as i have through the years yeah yeah, yeah. we yeah. hope so too uh and and we hope we hope uh to continue to watch you you know years and years you know to come and uh see you in victory lane this year a couple times too yeah we sure hope so um you know we jumped back in these dirt cars about four or five years ago and uh you know I honestly it had been you know probably 15 years or so since i had gotten out of dirt and, and, and ran you know pavement and our nascar stuff pretty much exclusively since then and i can tell you they were a much different race car than i got out of all those years back and um, yeah. the you know in 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 the open wheel modified in our area the the competition is so good mm. you just have so yes. many very very talented drivers and uh winning one of these races is not easy and i, I think we uh i think we ran sack second seven times last year and yeah. uh, and didn't get victory lane but you know that's um, you know, for an old man like me, I was pretty happy with that because we ran second to a lot of really good race car drivers. Yeah. 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 It goes to show you too, that just how, how stiff the, the competition is here in that open wheel modified division. I mean, honestly, that division has, has always been one of the, one of the prominent divisions here in our state. Uh, of course, you know, with the Adams, with, you know, Lightning Chassis and, and so many reasons for that, um, you know, throughout the years. But, uh, 
it's really always been a tough comp- uh, tough competitive division uh, here in this area for anybody to to race in. Well, I, I think that the open wheel series is. So I think any any time you get that chance. Yeah, I think that series is, uh, or the division is one that is very unique in the fact that almost on any given night, there's a large number of cars that could win the race. Uh, I, I, I look around in the pits and there's mm-hmm. almost no car that you can't beat or can't beat you. Right. And, and so the, you know, the, yeah. the diversity within that division of, of, really, really good drivers and really, really good equipment makes it very difficult to win. Um, and I, I don't think we always truly give ourselves enough credit in this area of just how we stack up nationally. But then you have guys like Victor Lee and, and I know Blake Brown just went down to um, Florida during speed weeks and, and did very well. Uh, you know, some of the guys uh, over in the mountains and uh, race up in Portsmouth and that area. He got Brandon Kinzer, who is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the absolute, you know, best drivers in these cars. Uh, so smooth, never makes a mistake. And, you know, that's – if you can just compete with these guys, you, you have to feel pretty good about your program. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's absolutely the case. Well, uh, Jamie, you, you mentioned you you're a few years past seventeen in your in your racing career. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that career. Uh, so you you were born in in Hazard, uh, started racing stock cars at sixteen at Perry County Speedway, uh, but uh, you know Ace talked about his early years of of driving a race car, uh, but you know times have changed so much between now, you know, starting now uh, in, in this area versus when you were starting being a youngster on the racetrack at Perry County Speedway back in those days. What, what was that like, starting out young back in eastern Kentucky in those days? I will tell you that being 16 years old and getting the opportunity to, um, you know, race in any of those divisions – well, it's not the normal thing at that time. Now mm-hmm. it's very, very normal. And we see these guys out here at 12, 13, 14 years old in a late model. Yeah. But, but at that time, being a 16-year-old, and, and I was fortunate enough that I was able, you know, we were running the street stock division at that time, and I, I got in the car that my dad had driven the previous two or three years. Um, it was not always accepted well. Um, you had guys that had been racing for a number of years, um, that were doing well. And, and, and then here comes this 16 year old and, and he's competitive. And, and I would give the credit more of that credit to my father and, and the car that we were able to build more so than my driving ability. I don't think that had very much to do with it at all, but it was just a very good race car and it was easy to drive and a, a good car to learn in. Um, but now you fast forward, you know, 40 years from then. And, if you're starting 16 years old, you're getting a late start. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just one of the things that we've really seen change, um, Um, you know, since that time. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, a lot of these NASCAR drivers and stuff have got their kids three, four, five years old, already starting in a, in a go-kart. That just absolutely wasn't the norm, you know, until here very recently. I I think, you know, you're definitely right about that. 
being 16 and being in behind the wheel of a stock car back then at Perry County Speedway was was certainly not the norm back then that was that was too young really and and I can imagine that uh you probably you probably weren't very well accepted by some of those guys that have been been in the business for a long time a little a little 16 year old coming in you know that was probably the case initially but but I will say that you know, through the years and as we were blessed to, to go on and, and be in NASCAR, some of those very people were the most supportive um, and the most, you know, would come up and say, hey, you know, we're proud of you. And, and that meant a lot Yeah, for those guys that I raced against. Um, I, I don't, I never felt like that I reached the, the level that I did because I was any better driver than those guys. Um, you know, I was very ambitious and was fortunate enough to really develop an understanding of the marketing side of it, you know, at a very early age. And and just like anybody else, a lot of things fell into place. And I was very lucky um, that things happened the way they did. But, you know, there's, there's someone, multiple people, at every racetrack you'll go to on Friday and Saturday night, that's just as talented um, and, and can get the job done at, at that level and in those series is, you know, there, there are competing out there. I mean, nobody is, you know, just like the young man said before there, uh, nothing's harder to drive than an open wheel modified car. I, I've yeah. just about everything out there from late models to, you know, testing cup cars and Xfinity series cars and trucks and nothing is harder to drive than an open wheel and you get those guys and you, you see the, um, the guys from that are coming from dirt are the ones that are having the most success, you know, at the highest level. And I think it's yeah. just a compliment to, you know, what we do every weekend. And that's really where it starts. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look, you look at Ace there, you know, the majority of his racing career was in open wheel modified and now he's, He's in the late model, and he's he's reaping the success because he drove that open wheel, and it is a it is a tough car to drive. and And I've talked to tons of of drivers that that have driven everything, and they said the open wheel modified is the toughest car I've ever sat in and tried to drive out of out of anything. And so, it's only going to make him better having having those years in that modified, and now. You know, he's he's seeing the success in the in the late model division because of that. Well, if you look and see, I mean, there's good examples of that, and you know, and uh, my buddy Mike Marler and Jimmy Owens, and you know, those guys really honed their skills in those modified open wheel modified cars, and yeah, have went on to achieve you know pinnacle levels of success in late models. And, you know, I think that's, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr. You can just, you know, keep naming the guys that came out of Modifieds that that experience has really, you know, been beneficial to them and helped them achieve the, you know, the level of success and that, that they have in, in the in the super late model cars. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say uh, real quick, if you have a question, anything you'd like to say to Jamie or a question for him, call our, our uh, Racetrack Connection hotline. It's 859-412-1287. Someone show me this thing ain't broke again. It was broke last week to like the last five minutes of the show till I figured that out and we finally had some people call in. But uh, somebody show me this thing's not broke yet. Call our, call our hotline. Let's get a caller on the phone here. I uh, said, it, said it before. I'll say it again we didn't spend all this money for all this equipment uh just to have have no one no one call in we we want to get some of our our viewers and listeners on the on the phone with us so give us a call 859-412-1287 well jamie uh i want to talk about while we've got you on here um as well uh about those opportunities that you you spoke of a little bit there uh you you eventually had opportunities to run arca and then, and that even became more opportunities to run uh, Bush Series, uh, and then eventually that became Xfinity Series. Of course, same series, but Bush Xfinity Xfinity Series, and even some Craftsman Truck Series races. Uh, how did those opportunities come about for someone that started at 16 at Perry County Speedway? How does Jamie Mosley get get those kind of opportunities? Well, I, I joke all the time, and I've always said it's a long way from the Perry County Speedway to NASCAR. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, I, I hope that if nothing else, you know, what, what we were able to do, you know, is might inspire somebody else to do it. I mean, it, it, you know, if I can do it, anybody can. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's um, that was just my goal. You know, I, I wanted to um, – I wanted to be in NASCAR, um, you know, at a very – early age I, I had the opportunity to uh meet some really really good car owners in the series at that time um through my grandfather harry rainier which owned rainier racing uh that tail yarborough drove the 28 hardy's car and won many a couple of daytona 500s in that car and eventually was the team that launched the career of davy allison um you know in that texaco Havlin car before it was uh, eventually sold to robert yates and then a gentleman by the name of J.D. Stacy or Jim Stacy, who was also from Eastern Kentucky, owned uh, at one time multiple uh, NASCAR teams. And, you know, there were really no drivers from Eastern Kentucky. We always heard of, you know, the Waltrips and the Greens and everyone from, from Owensboro and the western part of the state. But from a driver perspective, there was no one really to, um, you know, kind of have as a hero there. So um, having the opportunity to – meet those gentlemen harry rainier and jim stacy was you know I, I, that was all my ways my goal I, I hope that you know by the time i reach the age to to be able to drive that i could drive one of their cars and uh you know mm -hmm. that didn't happen but you know i went the very first time to charlotte i was you know my during that time of my life i was a, a dispatcher for the kentucky state police and i was working in the pikeville post and uh, just on a whim, I, I drove to Charlotte after work one night and pulled in in Morrisville, North Carolina, and just started knocking on doors and um, talked to some team owners and got some really good advice. And actually, you know, at that time, was offered some opportunities which were contingent upon uh, bringing some sponsorship. And I felt like at that time that I. I knew enough about, again, the marketing side of it that we could attract uh, some partners to come and do it. And, um, 
went by Mr. Rainier's shop and, and, and the actual the opportunity turned out it probably wasn't a very good opportunity. He had to be the one to give me that advice. And that was in 1995. Uh, I met a guy who had just ran one race um, at Daytona, come from the open wheel series. And that guy's name was Tony Stewart. And Tony was kind enough to let me um, stay with him and, and, and give me a place when, when I was in town trying to get a deal. But if you look, I mean, it wound up, you know, many, many years later, that was 1995. And before I ever ran my very first ARCA race, it was 2002. So it's seven years later. Yeah. Um, and there were just, it became a reality to me that for me to get a decent opportunity, I'd probably have to make that opportunity myself. So, you know, I worked two jobs and saved every dollar that I possibly could for about three or four years and sold all of my dirt equipment. And I bought um, an ARCA car from Mark Gibson, bought one motor. We had one car, one motor, a dually, and an enclosed trailer. And for whatever reason, we thought we could go compete in the ARCA series. And I, I remember uh, the first time that we went, I think in Kentucky, we ran 18th the very first time out, and, and we were actually running ahead of the guy that I bought the car from. And I'm thinking, man, something must be wrong with them. They're, <laughs> there's no way we should be running in front of these guys. But, you know, it went on, and we, we ran three more races in 2002 and ran three in the spring of 2003. And to be honest with you, the car was wrecked, the motor was blown, and I was done. I was out of money. Um, and one evening, I got a phone call from a gentleman named Jay Robinson, who was uh, on the two-car team in the NASCAR Bush Series at the time. And his driver, which was Dan Pardis, which is a former Cup veteran, was driving one of those cars. Um, and they were at Nashville Super Speedway. And Dan's mother-in-law had had a heart attack while they were there. And he had to leave the racetrack. And... It just so happened that someone had given my name and, and, and my number, and we had ran the Harker race down there a few weeks before, and it did okay. And um, probably more so than anything, I was one of the few people that lived close enough to Nashville that I could get there in time. Yeah. And so we went there, and to make a long story short, we finished 21st in that very first night without a lap of practice, no qualifying. And that was the best finish that they had ever had at that time with his team. And um, he came down out of the spotter stand and uh, he said, Hey, you can, you can do this. He said, you, you want to drive this car some more? And, and that's really kind of the way that it all happened. And, um, yeah. W without yeah, so Robinson, I, I would have never had any of the opportunities that I had because he, he took a chance on me and uh, kept taking chances on me. And even after I left, you know, later in that year to go drive for another team, you know, throughout the years, I always wound back with wound up back with Jay, and um, he's been a, a tremendous mentor to me from a business perspective as well as a racing perspective, and just very very fortunate to have, to have had that chance. And and I really all the others that came thereafter, and and I I drove for some good people, got to drive for Jimmy Means, which is a legend, you know, in the in the sport, and um, you know several different teams randy mcdonald and you know groups throughout the years but really it was all a byproduct of the that very first opportunity that i got from jay yeah it sounds like it it definitely wasn't something that was that was given i mean it was something that you really wanted and something you had to go out and make 
happen for yourself i mean knocking on doors and and uh you know a lot of a lot of hard work and doing a lot of things that that most people probably aren't will it wouldn't be willing to do in the beginning just to get that you know initial opportunity uh to talk to one person uh to meet maybe one person that would make a huge difference or make or break whether or not you'd ever have an opportunity to run any of these events um but but that had to be a bit of a struggle you know for sure and i'm sure there were probably a lot of no's before there was a there was a yes you know in, in all that but that's a tough thing and honestly most people wouldn't wouldn't be willing to to go through all that it was as much i, I will say that after i got there it was more difficult to stay and continue to persevere than it was originally get there in the first place. You know, it's such a roller coaster ride. And when you're driving for the teams at the level that, that I was driving for, um, you know, we were running three year old motors and used tires and, you know, to run, we raced within our community. We wanted to have the best day of the group of people that had similar circumstances to we did. Um, you know, there's such a diversity in equipment from the front of that field to the back of that field from a financial resource standpoint. Yeah. So we were, you know, we overachieved some, I think, in the first four races that I drove in NASCAR, 26 was, you know, we finished 26 like five or six times, but that was great at that time. Mm-hmm. You got to remember during this period, there were 55 and 60 cars showing up just to qualify for a 43 car field. Yeah. yeah. Just to make the race was a, you know, a tremendous accomplishment. And then, you know, to run near the top half of the field was, um, you know, a really good day for, for any of those teams that we, you know, we raced with, you know, during that, that time period. So it, it was very tough and, and the ups and downs of the business, I, I really have to give Tubby Smith a lot of credit. He helped extend my career, um, you know, by several years we formed a partnership and uh, coach Smith when he was here at the university of Kentucky was very instrumental and, in, you know, helping find sponsorship. And, um, I was about to say, you're not talking about the Tubby Smith. Like, the, I think there's only one Tubby Smith, but I guess you are, you know, one of the, the most kindest, humble people that I've probably ever known in my life. Um, and that relationship, you know, the introduction was made there by Jeff Shepard, who's a good friend of mine, and, and Jeff had helped also, in, you know, some promotional and marketing things that we were trying to do, you know, to, to elevate our programs at the time and, and get better opportunities. And uh, but, but Coach Smith was great to work with. I think we were together there four or five years. And, um, you know, be, beyond just the opportunity to continue racing, having – the chance to, you know, be around someone like that on a daily basis and, and learn and watch such a great leader was as valuable, you know, as the racing experience itself. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I I can only imagine that's a, that's a pretty cool twist to the story. I got to tell you as a, as a, as an avid basketball fan, I was probably the only one, uh, that I know of crazy enough to go to Greensboro to, to watch that, that loss and, and come back miserable two years in a row. But I love basketball and grew up like 
I started watching Kentucky basketball during the Tubby years, and he was always like my coach, you know, and hated when he got ran out of town. But, um, but, but very, very cool twist to the story there. The connection with, with Tubby Smith. I can only imagine someone, just, just being in the presence uh, of someone like that had to just. I don't know, man. It'd make a big difference in life overall. You know, really the. The decision when I finally threw in the towel, I mean, I raced more races through the years and, you know, even up to three or four years ago running a couple of truck races. But, you know, we had worked and Coach Smith had worked very, very hard for about two years in putting, um, you know, an absolute dream package together for us. We had worked with uh, a company called Church's Chicken, which is a, a, a you know, a chicken food chain in, in the south and in a lot of urban areas and coach smith had worked very very hard for about two years to put this deal together and i had actually signed uh, my contract at that time to drive for nemco motorsports which was joe nemechek and and they had won the championship in the bush series the year prior they were at that time the absolute um you know best in the business if, if you were in the bush series and we had signed that deal and right at the very end as everything was closing the holding company that owned church's chicken also at the time owned seattle's best coffee and cinnabon cinnamon buns and and the holding company sold church's chicken and everyone that we had been dealing with for two years got wiped out and the new holding company would not honor the deal and, and at the end of that I just went to coach and I told him, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I've, I've got kids and, you know, I had two daughters at that time. And uh, I said, I have to go back and do something more stable and, and make sure that I'm taking care of my family. I said, this is becoming selfish of me to want to continue hoping that this all works out. And, you know, by this time I'm, you know, 35, 36 years old and, um, it was just a decision that I had to make personally. And, and, you know, honestly, I don't regret it. I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for all the opportunities that I had, though I never got to drive for a team that I felt like that I personally could discover the level at which I could compete. Um, you know, well, that's still an unanswered question for me today. Uh, I knew what I could do with that equipment, but I wanted to drive the better stuff to see if I could win or if I could be competitive, you know, at the top of that level. And we didn't yeah. get a chance to do that. But, you know, for for a little boy from Rowdy, Kentucky, that always dreamed of being in NASCAR, I, I couldn't be more thankful and more grateful for for even getting to run a, a single lap, much less, you know, the, the number of races over a number of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. You, you talk about the equipment at that top level – making such a difference i mean money of course and money equals better equipment better stuff to run with that's with anything heck man that that's something that's true even if you're running locally in any class i mean equipment means a lot and i think most most race fans i would say don't don't realize that you know between the dedication from the guy running first and the guy running 20th in any class any, on any given night, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, equipment and, and opportunities and all those kind of things, it, 
it really does it makes a difference i mean honestly it does and so i think for someone just to have like you said the opportunity to to run a lap and and even make a race and and all those kind of things is it's a big deal at any level just to be on the track honestly you know i sat in those stands at bristol from about 1977 through you know the early 80s mid 80s with my grandfather you know, watching Tail Yarborough and then Darrell Walter for basically whoever was driving for Junior Johnson at the time. That's who won Bristol every spring and fall. Yeah. You know, to sit there and watch that. And then, you know, to take the green flag in 2003 with 150,000 people in those stands and just the memory of those flashes going off and seeing all those cameras was just it's such a, it, even today, it's such a surreal moment that, you know, just so thankful to the Lord above that I, I got to do that. And, you know, those memories, uh, you know, are, are priceless. And, and I just, you know, I feel very, very fortunate, uh, you know, even, you know, to have had, though they were limited opportunities, so grateful that I, that I even had the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kennedy's on here, on here watching. She's commented a couple of things, but I mean, that's had to be, that had to be something like even for your, for your kids, you know, and just the people around you. I mean, I could only, I can only imagine it would inspire your, your kids, your, your family, just everyone around you, just to have the, uh, the, the gumption, I guess you could say to, to chase such a dream that most people wouldn't even, wouldn't even consider chasing honestly um because i don't know a fear of failure or, or or what it might be but most most of us all have had that dream at some point in our lives wes i think you know what i mean like all of us as race fans we we've had that dream of of being on the on the biggest stage or even driving a dirt race car um but it just takes a lot of courage to even be willing to to chase that dream and it's a pretty pretty cool thing that that you were willing to to, to do that for sure yeah yeah you look at you know me growing up in the in the corbin london area and you know during the time when jamie's career was you know starting out and then what he accomplished and, and you know continued to to get bigger and better um with the divisions and and throughout asphalt racing I looked up to Jamie. I mean, I thought it was just the coolest thing. You know, here's here's a guy from from home, uh, you know, and then look at the Kentucky connections, you know, with him and Tubby Smith and Jeff Shepard. So that just kind of intensified it and made it that much cooler. Um, but I always looked up to him and, and always wanted him to succeed and, and, and do good, you know, that's that's a Kentucky boy. That's that's a boy from home, and you know. Then years later, the connection that Jamie and I've had, um, you know, with the with the local dirt racing level, and we've raced all over the the you know the state and Tennessee, Ohio, you know, Kentucky. It's just it's just cool um, that it's all come full circle, Jamie. And it really has. I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, me and Kenzer started racing those open wheel modified cars right about the same time. We were over at Thunder Ridge and 
you know, all those places. And then, um, you know, our, our pads took different turns and Brandon went on and raced, you know, the late models throughout the national series. And, uh, you know, I wound up in NASCAR and we did that all these years and, you know, and here we are, you know, right back where we started in these cars. And I think that's kind of just the way that it was supposed to be. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a social thing to me now. Kennedy is, you know, my, my daughter's one of my, well, she is my biggest fan and yeah. she, she's always with me and, and has been supporting me. And, um, you know, I, my children were, were small when, when I was a NASCAR and, um, so we're, we're not ruling out at least one more. And yeah, I, I would like to do one more just so that they could have that experience um, and, and remember that, you know, and yeah. and, and get to uh, know what that feels like at least once. So, you know, we're, we've looked at that. I don't know that it will be this year, um, mm. but, you know, right now we're, we're, fo- we're focused on our dirt stuff. Um, you know, my, my father is still around, which is, he and my grandfather's who got me started and i love the simplicity of hooking up the trailer and going to the dirt track on saturday night there's just something about it and you know after i'd left nascar and before i had bought another dirt car i'd go somewhere on saturday and meet somebody going to the racetrack and it would just about kill me yeah. and uh, you know i just i love when saturday morning comes and that dude's still out there and yeah, you know you're hooking it up, and you know you you're loading up, and man, I'm hoping it don't rain tonight. You know, I mean, it's yeah. all that that feeling, and you know, I I want my father to be able to go with me some more this year. That's very important to me. We 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 bought a toter this year to try to make that a little bit easier, and and so that the girls can have a more comfortable um, you know experience when we're at the racetrack and. Uh, you know, we're, we've really worked hard over the winter to, you know, try to make the program better. And um, we're going to start out the year with this beat built car. Uh, we, that's the car that we ran last year that uh, my buddy David Rudiman built for me. And, you know, David and I talked about racing together for uh, several years before we actually wound up doing it. And, um, you know, David's experienced some health problems here in recent weeks and, uh, is 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 overcoming that right now, and so uh, on our beat built car this year, I'm going to be running David's number and uh, kind of represent him, and really as a tribute to him because if, if you um, if you've never met David Rudiman, you've missed out because he is one of the most kindest, genuine people, and and he's a a perfect example of what you talked about, Wes, and coming full circle. You know, was running those dirt tracks, and then wound up doing the All Pro Series stuff, and got an opportunity in the Bush series and then went to the cup series and won uh, a couple mm-hmm. times. And he was a real racer. There's yeah, no yeah. more of a true racer than David Rudman. And uh, then wound up after his cup career, very successful one starts building dirt, modified cars yeah. without racing dirt, modified cars. And he's just to me, such a, such an example of a, of a, a true racer but beyond that he's a great guy and uh, has just been a dear friend to me for a number of years and so 
it'll be uh, it'll be a big honor to run his double zero on that car this year. And uh, our number one priority is to win a race for him. And, yeah. And I intend on doing whatever it takes to make that happen. That that's our goal. Well, that's something I've noticed about your uh, your um, racing career the last couple of years running here locally. I was going to mention that you don't you don't stick with one number very long. It doesn't seem like you 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 like to change them up a little bit. Just all the time you're changing numbers. So it sounds like starting the year at least this year you're going to be in the in the double zero, and you've always got a reason behind changing those those numbers too. There there have been, and you, you know honestly it it's if i've got a number on there there's something about that number that's significant to me um you know we ran the 89 for a couple of years when uh blake and i were racing together um i ran that number uh, a little bit thereafter but you know 89 was my first number assigned in the arca series so that was you know kind of worked well together uh, we did, uh, they're one of the last cars we did the back the badge car, which obviously I'm very involved in criminal justice and law enforcement. We just wanted to salute those people, those first responders out there and people who work in corrections and our law enforcement. We, we did that car. Um, the eight car last year, my mom's birthday's on eight, eight. She's born on August the eighth. So I kind of did that as a, as a tribute to her. And then this year yeah. we're going to do the do the double zero for David, but on the, you know, we, we're, we've got two new elite cars sitting in the shop. They're being finished up as we speak. Um, and those numbers will probably be 16, uh, as that was my very first number on, on the very first go-kart that my grandfather bought me. So it's kind of a really honoring him, but you know, through the years and driving for so many different teams, I never really got attached to, you know, a single number. We ran the 28 car a lot in the Bush Series. We ran the 39 car uh, in the Bush Series. I had the 49 Advil car that I drove for Jay Robinson. Uh, so, you know, a lot of different numbers. And so numbers aren't really very significant to me other than whatever that meaning of that particular one is uh, behind it. And so, you yeah. know, we want to do something to make sure that, that we're honoring somebody that deserves it. And I don't know anybody yeah. more deserving than David, and and uh, he's really, you know, we had a really good year last year, and we were so close to winning a bunch of races and uh, figured some things out right at the very end of the year, and that's kind of where we're starting this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever the whatever the meaning is at that time is the is the number, and and I like that, and. Wes will pick the number for one of those cars if you if you want him to. He'll probably even drive it for you at this point. He's he's still waiting. He's still waiting to to get his uh, his first chance. And and so you know, just just kind of throwing that out there as an opportunity for my for my good buddy here on the podcast. Uh, we'd like to see him wheel a race car at some point. So well, Wes could probably fit in my seat. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh... I don't have a little seat, so there, there's Wes. probably not. Wes is a big, strong guy, and so yeah, there's not a lot of cars that Wes is going to be able to get in somebody else's seat. <laughs> That's but, true, but he probably could mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he has he has been on a on quite a weight loss journey here here lately too. True. So, I mean, he he really has. So you know, could could fit even even better, Wes. I know you've. 
you've you've lost uh lost a lot of weight here here lately too yeah so, yeah yeah i've so lost helps. lost 100 pounds so that's that's good i can that's amazing i can, I can definitely definitely help to, to fit in the car yeah <laughs> that, that's uh that's a pretty cool accomplishment and that's something you should be very proud of because i know that is not from my own experience it's not very easy to do that and as we age and get older it becomes even more of a challenge yeah yeah and that's something i would love to love to be able to get in in a car and and, uh you know just just practice just to see if i could do it and uh it's probably something that would be a bad decision because if i got in one and and did it uh i would have to i would have to buy one and and uh don't, make it a make it a every weekend deal. <laughs> don't make that yeah. You, yeah. You you're looking at let's see, I'm fifty-three now and I started when I was seven. Forty plus years of racing addiction. Yeah. Uh and but now I will say this. You know, David's dad, Buzzy Rudiman, still winning races, and I think he's eighty two. Sure is. I'm not that guy. I, I will not still be racing at 82. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, yeah. I really feel it. You know, and I, I've told David before after I've climbed out of the car running 25 laps, and I'm asking, I asked him, I said, Can you really believe that we used to do this for three hours straight? And uh, crazy, you know, I, I'm more out after 25 laps now, you know, much less than running 300 again. So, but it is. Yeah, uh, I, I can't imagine. You know, and these kids get yeah. younger. I mean, you you know, you you got these kids out there that are in great shape and are very very good at what they do, and it, it's it's a challenge for someone like me yeah. to, you know, still remain competitive. And I know that you know my reflexes and my eyesight certainly not what it used to be. Um, so just to uh, just to be able to compete with some of these uh, guys out there that are so so good um mm-hmm. you know it, it's encouraging that maybe we can uh, we can catch them on an off night and sneak in a couple of wins yeah. yeah that's something else i think a lot of people don't realize either if you've never had the opportunity to to drive a race car before is, is the physical aspect of of driving a race car i mean you're talking about 25 laps i always struggled with 15 laps uh it, it is man like it's not it, it these guys make it look easy i'm just telling you like they they really do if you've never done it before and then you get a chance to do it like i mean it will absolutely wear you out so i can't imagine being some of these you know 80 82 who was it we was talking about the other day west red farmer red farmer uh, yeah buzzy delmas conley Drove way up in age. Vern yeah. Lefevers. Uh, Vern Saturday Night Lefevers. I mean, these guys <laughs> yeah. are ancient, and they're still willing to race car and still winning races. I yeah. love it. Well, Vern might be listening tonight. You just called him ancient, but that, <laughs> hey, go, but, he's got underwear older but, than me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to have a tremendous amount of respect for those guys. Absolutely, it, it is. Yeah. You know, even at fifty-three for me, it's it's uh, much more of a physical challenge than than it used to be and um you know for for them to do it and you know i mean you you know i watched uh billy moyer a couple of nights ago and the guy still i mean he's out there running right in the front um you know just so many of these guys that are 
you know, we've watched, um, you know, through the years and admired with, you know, and they're still doing it. They're still fast. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and I hope that they continue to do it because the sport needs those guys. Um, you know, we, yeah. we need them because they, they are such a part of, you know, our fandom and, and the people that, you know, we pulled for all those years. And, uh, you know, I, it, you never want to see those guys go away. Yeah, it's a it's Well, a I think we've got a retirement. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I think we've got a retirement plan already in place. Kennedy says yeah. we need to talk you into putting her in a car. So I think I think it's already spoken for. Yeah. So I, I, I recently did put her in a car uh, while we were at Volusia County uh, in February at uh, – you know, at Speed Week, I took her over to the Speedway and, and let her do the uh, NASCAR driving experience. And she ran three laps. And on the third lap, I think she went 140. So that's about the extent of, of what she's going to get to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Wes. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just – I couldn't let Kennedy down and not, not get yeah. that in while we – Well, I, I was waiting for the right time to put that – put that little comment out there because we had to we had to put that plug in for her but i was just gonna say you know talking about those guys just a just a tremendous amount of respect um that they're still doing what they love and and, you know you was talking about being 53 and just the just the amount of of physical drain uh to run a race and and i can remember when i was younger uh talking about i think i wrote a paper on um nascar not being a sport uh and and people saying that and you look at the drivers and the and the amount of of fitness that they had to be in uh to run those races and and carl edwards at the time you know dude super super fit and in the best shape and and all those guys had to be like that to run those big long races. And, and you come out and it's like, you know, the, the amount of strain on your body. And if you're not hydrated going in, I mean, heat strokes and and all kind of things, uh, after you get out of the car. So, I mean, those drivers had to, and still have to be in great shape, uh, to race. They just have to be. There is nothing that I can sit here and tell you that would truly represent the amount of strain that it puts on the body. Um, I got dehydrated at Dover, Delaware one year and, and, and basically drove the last 150 laps, not even knowing where I was at. Um, and, and I mean, for the most part, you know, I, I came in and, um, I, I had in my mind thought that they'd been talking on the radio and I told them to be quiet, but I couldn't concentrate. And, <laughs> and, and one of my crew members, Jason Van Hook, who's dear friend that passed away. Um, he said, you ain't said nothing in two hours. <laughs> and so, you know, a couple bags of IV fluids later in the infield care center and I, I was okay, but I'm telling you, it's, it's such a near death experience. Um, you know, I would typically lose seven, eight pounds per race, um, you know, just in water weight. And I, but I, I will tell you this, I, I ran 
you know, virtually every racetrack on the entire NASCAR circuit, there is nothing that comes close to the strain that your body goes through at Bristol. Yeah. yeah, I could imagine. So we we hear people like in commercials. We, there was a commercial, and there's other pe- other talks that I've always wondered. I've really I've never talked to anyone personally that's driven NASCAR or anything like that. So it's a long. You're out there for a long time. Uh, Wes and I were on a podcast with James Essex for like three hours, and I thought I was going to bust. What what really <laughs> happens if you're in in uh, in a NASCAR race? And you're in there that whole time. What if you got to go pee? I mean, what what do NASCAR drivers do if you or worse? What what if you got to go to the bathroom? Well, that what do you do? That's probably one of the questions that I've been asked the most through the years of people that are just intrigued <laughs> by it. Uh, the, the honest answer is that you are dehydrating at such a rate you you never get about to go. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you know you you you've got to think. You know you're during all the pre-race spectacle and all that, you're in the car, you're strapped in, you've got a three-layer suit, you've got Nomex underwear on, you've got a helmet covering your head, and it is, the sun's blazing down. It, it's, you know, you know, the average temperature in those cars is about 140 degrees. When you think, you think about what the temperature has to get into in your home before you call the HVAC guy and say, I'm dying here. You know, it's usually about 75, 76 degrees. <laughs> right. you know, well, when it's double that, I mean, you just are absolutely pouring the sweat regardless yeah. of how much you hydrate as soon as you get in the car. And within yeah. a very short time, you're, you're just so depleted on fluids that you never get about to go. Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. That that makes that makes perfect sense. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a good good explanation. That makes a lot of sense. Well, let me ask you, so coming from your, you know, living that dream of being able to run in those in those top series uh, to coming back home, willing an open wheel modified here in this area, we're, we're glad to we're glad to have you back for sure. And then, of course, being elected since 2011 as the uh, the the Laurel County jailer. Uh, what what's that like? And and how did how did all that come about? uh to 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 become elected to that position and uh and be living be living that life now as the laurel county jailer well you know i i I told you the story about meeting tony stewart and and him giving me a place to stay and um you know having the opportunity to get to know him and you know obviously we were both trying to get started at that time and um one of us has had a great deal of success uh, at what we were doing. And uh, I saw Tony here not long ago and a few years ago, and I told him, I said, you know, it's it, it's great the way things has worked out. I said, but I don't want you to feel bad. Only one of us could be the Laurel County Jailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I think you reach a point in your life where you, you have a, a moment where you realize what you were really put here to do. Right. And, you know, through all my years in, in law enforcement, state police, and my two years prior to becoming a jailer, I was an instructor at, at the Department of Criminal Justice Training in Richmond. And so that was an amazing experience for me, too. You know, to be involved in business through the years, I think all those things just kind of lended themselves to at least giving me a basis to 
start. Um, when I became jailer, every day has been an education for the last 13 years mm -hmm. um, of learning more. And, you know, I think the, the same determination that helped me, you know, achieve other things in my life is what's given us the ability to be successful in this position as we have. Um, I took, when I took over as jailer, the county was having to fund the operation of the jail to about three and a half million dollars each and every year. And it was, um, you know, a, a big, uh, a black eye at that time on the county. And, you know, today we're 100% financially self-sufficient. We don't require a single penny from our county to operate our jail on. And we have a brand new jail that we are paying for ourselves out of uh, the revenue that we generate uh, within our own budget. So um, nobody succeeds on their own and right. have to have really, really good people helping you. Um, you know, I've got a um, very good group of young men that started with me as officers, um, Sean Davis and Matt Deaton, who, you know, worked their way up through the ranks over the last 13 years and now in position of captain. And um, they make my job um, doable. I won't yeah. say it's easy because it's not easy for any of us. It's a, it's the most complex, difficult position that I've ever been in, in, in being jailer and to operate it at the level that we strive to do every single day. Yeah. Uh, most people think about jails and they think, I'd say, how many people you think's in jail? I don't know, 75, 80, maybe a hundred. We've got 900 at our jail. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it's no small operation, but, you know, I really do believe that the Lord just give me the skill and the passion and the desire to, um, you know, to be jailer. And, and, you know, if I'm driving race cars or, you know, putting shingles on a roof or being a jailer, I want to try to be the best one that I can possibly be. And uh, through having good people and a good core group of folks that have worked with me and been with me a long time, they, that's what makes it, you know, possible to do that. And, you know, obviously the you know, support of, um, you know, a good team like that, it gives you the ability to do and accomplish anything if you've really got a good group of folks pulling together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. And you do, you do have a nice jail. I'll have to say, uh, from experience as well. Luckily, not as an inmate, uh, but I own a <laughs> I own a real estate business. And uh, first trip I ever got to take to jail was uh, just a few. Uh, probably a year or so ago i live in madison county but i had to go down to laurel county you had an inmate in there and the um the wife was divorcing him i don't think he realized it yet until i showed up so that was fun but i had to take him some papers to sign to to sell their house so i uh, got to visit your jail it's 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 a nice place it, it truly is i'm just glad i was i was on the outside looking in i'd like to keep it that way but but it is it's it's a nice place and and uh so yeah I, I got to visit it and just looking at the website and all kinds of stuff you know like when it comes to jails it's like man laurel county detention centers uh it's like a it's like top notch everybody else needs to get on get on board with whatever whatever you all are doing so we've been blessed and we we do try to you know i feel like we've been able to affect our industry you know within the state and, and kind of raise the level of expectations in, in a lot of different counties and uh, we always work with with anybody that that wants help 
you know, whatever county they are, we do a lot of training. Uh, uh, this past year, we had 37 new jailers take office in January, and I did all their training, 40 hours of training uh, prior to them taking office. And so, you know, we, we're more than willing to, um, you know, to share what we've learned through the years. And, and a lot of people have shared with us through the years, too. Um, you know, it's, it's not always our idea. You know, some things we've just duplicated that have been successful in other places, and then some things we've kind of been, uh, you know, at the forefront of and, and trailblazing some things. But, you know, we're always glad to share it because we want to try to make, you know, this the industry better, you know, statewide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt said, uh, <laughs> you know, you might be hard to deal with at the track, but but uh you know you're tough to work for too um but uh now you mentioned you mentioned matt and sean and and uh it's always good um you're never successful without a a great staff and and working together and you mentioned both those i know those guys well uh they're two dandies and i know they've been been there with you um through the good times and the bad and uh and definitely um have been a big part of your success and and they're at the Laurel County jail um they're two good ones they uh they'll when I decide to go home and I don't know when that might be but they'll 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 keep that going I, I'm we've worked very hard as a team to uh to to get to uh a level that we strive for and I I know they're capable of continuing that on through the years. That's very important to me. So um I'm blessed to have them. Uh Matt said he, he wouldn't have it any any other way. Um he said uh he, he enjoys working with you and and uh no matter what you, you go at, whether it's like you said, you know, something with the jail putting shingles on the roof or driving a race car, you always give it your best. And that's, that's the only way to go at it. Well, I, I'm, I'm better at some of those things that I, that I am others, but I always try regardless of what I do. And, you know, I've just, I'm, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that you can meet in your life that can tell you that they got to live their dream. And, you know, I've got to live several, you know, getting to, drive a race car at 16 years old, you know, and then getting to be in NASCAR and, you know, running at the places that we did. But I, I will say that from a personally rewarding and, and gratification, being jailer has meant as much, if not more. Um, our job is taking better care of people than they've been willing to take of themselves. And when you can, uh, you can make a difference for your community and our county um, and the people that we care for and our staff. Now, that's pretty hard to beat. It's, uh, it, it's been, uh, I really feel like that I'm the one that's blessed because I get to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see that for sure. And it's definitely, I think anything you do is all about the, the people you you have around you um you know when i when i first started this 
this podcast or thought about starting this podcast, the the first person that I, I thought of was Wes Lanham. And, well, I really thought of two people, Wes Lanham and Brad Lawson both. And, you know, Brad just had a lot of things going on and wasn't able to continue with this thing when we started it. But uh, one of them was, was Wes Lanham and, uh, you know, just because of his love for, for racing. And Wes can do two things. He, he can, he can uh, well, he can do more than two things, a few more than two things, but he does a few things well. He he can talk and he can talk about racing, so uh, and fishing and there's one other thing, but uh, <laughs> but he's definitely good at those things and, and just uh, you know I, I know all about that. It, look, if it wasn't for World Wide West, this thing wouldn't even it wouldn't it wouldn't even be a thing. This podcast wouldn't even exist. It wouldn't be what it is today. So I I definitely know uh, know all about that. It's all about having the right people in your corner. So well, what, that's for what? sure. What you all are doing with this is is so important. I mean, we've seen such a, a a transition, you know, with our sport of dirt track racing, with streaming, and uh, you know the popularity has grown and the access, you know, to for people to see our sport and be exposed to our sport is just so much more advanced now than it was, you know, even five years ago. Uh, yeah. But but what you all are doing and having a grassroots program like this is is so important to keep our local race fans engaged and um you know it, it's been a tough week this week uh you know for dirt track racing we're losing boyd's which is yeah. my favorite racetracks i mean i'm just heartbroken to hear that um, yeah. anytime we've had a chance to go down there and race we we do that and uh you know it, it's a from a you know from a business standpoint Track ownership and promotion is, is it's a very much a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's no one getting rich in the sport, regardless of what yeah. people think. Um, you know, and at some point in time when we're ready to hang up the helmets, um, you know, Brandy Kinzer and myself, we we talk about it almost on a daily basis. We'll own a racetrack or we'll we'll do start a series or do a promotion. That's something that we're both very passionate about and still want to do when we're not racing anymore. But, you know, just the business aspect of running those numbers, and we've ran them every way that you can run them. Yeah. And yeah. it's very difficult to make track operation, series operation, a financially successful endeavor. Um, mm-hmm. And businesses are about making money. I think we lose sight of that sometimes as fans and as racers that, yeah, you know, we want places to race, but we want to make all the money and the track promoter, you know, we think, Oh, he's getting rich. And, you know, we're only getting a hundred dollars here at start or toll money or whatever. And I can tell you as a businessman, I've looked at it from a lot of different angles and looked at a lot of different matrix matrix and models. It's not easy to make it work, mm-hmm. even in best case scenario of breaking even. Yeah. Right. So I think we got to remember that and and be grateful when we have good racetracks. I'm so appreciative of what they've done there at uh, Thunder Mountain. Glad we've got another local racetrack here in the community. Uh, Love Rock Castle County. I'm really looking forward to being up there in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we got to support these places. And, uh, you know, what you guys are doing is a big part of that. And and it's so needed. I, I want you to know from... From my standpoint, I sure appreciate it. 
Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate that as well. And, you know, we, that's, I mean, that's really our, our goal on this podcast is to really connect the racing community and, you know, Wes, I mean, like with something we've talked about, like I'm, I'm really proud of, of, uh, of the whole dirt track community here locally in our area. I mean, I just, I think over the last couple of years, like there's been a tremendous amount of growth. I, I think not just growth, maybe that's not the right word, but we have the best, I'm telling you, and I'm not just saying this, it's really true. We have the best group of, of owners and promoters that we've, that we've ever had i i believe uh as far as a group as a whole um running these racetracks right now and i think that's something that we should recognize and support as much as we can as race fans and drivers and everybody i mean you know for years there was a complaint a a popular complaint among fans that the tracks weren't work weren't willing to work together and all these things and you know you look at just this year and i know this this is just one example but you'd look at just this podcast and the the support that we've received from all of our racetracks i mean we've had uh and I'm just reading from my screen here, but Mudlick Valley, uh, Richmond, Rockcastle, Thunder Mountain, Lake Cumberland, Ponderosa, um, all of them here locally have been supportive, and they're they're just they're on board with with uh, the the local racing you know uh, theme, and everybody's on the same page more so now than I'm I'll say that than I've ever seen before, and I think that's something that's good for our sport for everybody involved yeah i think they should be commended for it it definitely is and and just to see all of them work together um as they have this you know going into this season especially um is just awesome and you know then you got to look at it though on the on the side like jamie said it is a business and they've got a business to run and that is important, but the way they're going about it and running it uh, and working together is is just really cool to see. And it's a win-win for everybody, you know, them, the fans, the drivers, you know, everybody involved. And, and I got to commend them. We, uh, we've got something special going here in the state and uh, especially our tracks here locally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jamie, thinking, switching back from jailer to from uh, NASCAR, living the NASCAR dream to jailer, but you're still you're still driving a race car, and we look forward to seeing you this year at the racetrack. Uh, what are your plans uh, moving forward in 2023 with the with the with the racing business? What are you what are you plan on doing? So uh, I think that we are, we're going to try to do all the Cumberland Plateau races. Um, that first one I think is Wartburg, Tennessee coming up here. And uh, then the following week or the, the second stop on that um, series will, will be at Rockcastle County. So love that place. Just looking forward to going there. Um, probably when we're not doing series races, everybody knows I love 411. We'll try to be down yeah. as much as we can. Um, you know, when you're an old man like me, you want those places that slick off and slow down and, uh, I'm not going to be banging the cushion and knocking the T-bar off any more than I can uh, help being. So 
uh, we'll, we'll probably do, uh, you know, when we're doing weekly stuff, probably be at Rock Castle and, and up at Thunder Mountain some. And um, I think we're planning on going to Eldora here on Tuesday night in a couple of weeks to the flow racing night um, in, in hopes, um, you know, to try to prepare for Dirt Track World Championship at the end of the year. So, you know, we've really geared up, you know, as far as the depth in, in our equipment. You know, I said we've got the beat built car, got uh, two new strong motors from Spec Racing Engines, Scott's Performance Racing Engines up in Indiana, and uh, you know, two new uh, elite cars from Nick Hoffman in the shop. So uh, those things are going to be coming out soon. We hope uh, to test uh, the first one of those cars within the next probably three weeks, and uh, you know, then we'll we all know the April weather, so. Hopefully it cooperates with us, but you know things by by May will be in full swing, and you know we're we're planning on racing more this year than than we have in a long long time. And I got to thank Bobby Knuckles who has been with me, works with me at the jail, and you know he's been my my biggest supporter. I couldn't race without Bobby, and uh, he helps on the car. And then Jeff Harville's come on board with us this year, and he's in the shop during the day helping us a bunch, and. Um, you know, we, we're in the old lightning chassis shop now and, uh, you know, just really looking forward to, you know, this year and just, just hopefully we can, uh, we can get out there in that double zero car and win a, win a race for Rudem and quick and, and, and hopefully really set the tone to have a good successful season. And, but more so than anything, just hope that the Lord keeps us safe one more year. I've been doing this a long time. I've been hit, I've hit a lot of walls and, um, He's kept me safe all these years, and uh, I always pray before I go out on the racetrack, but I never pray to uh, have success. I just pray to be safe, and, and yeah. that for everybody. Uh, this, yeah. is, this is a, a dangerous business, and a lot of times we look over the fact that you can really get hurt doing it, and yeah. we, we just want that for everybody. And uh, I think if we, we do that, regardless of how many wins or losses, it'll be a very successful season. Yeah. I agree that that that's always a good plan to to stay safe and stay safe and have fun. Yeah, it is, and that's cool that you mentioned you being in the in the old lightning shop. Uh, that's really cool, and and uh, the names that you mentioned as far as your crew guys, um, you know, with Knuckles and Harville, that's uh that's really cool, and and I know. I know a lot of your success is, is because of them two guys and the hard work that uh, that they put in on the car and just really looking forward to to getting to watch you race some this year. Uh, I know I saw you earlier down at uh, 4-11 and was hoping hoping you'd be in a car that that weekend, but uh, you said you wasn't ready yet. You, was, you had a lot of things in the works, and we talked, and uh, I know that's one of your favorite tracks, uh, but you was down there supporting uh kinzer and uh yeah we're you know brandon and i are uh we we usually talk two or three times a day and like i said it's become a bit of a social thing for us too i mean we try to go to the same places and and you know quite honestly they're they're very helpful and and you know and brandon's crew chief jimmy cabrell and i we we all try to work together and help each other and you know, if we can 
find something, we we share it. And you know, yeah. it's tough out there. And when you know, when uh, you got guys out there that are as good as you know what we're racing against, you you got to kind of anytime you can combine resources and uh, you know share technology and, and understand things, we we try to do that. I mean, we we want to make each other better. And you know, if I can't win, I want to see him win. And uh, you know, vice versa. I mean, it's just it's such a family. I mean, you know, I I, I always enjoy seeing Blake be successful and um, you know he's such a talent and you know just all the folks that we race with those guys down there in Tennessee Wayne James and all those fellas great people yeah. um, you know Jeff Hamby is a very close friend of mine and uh-huh. love to compete with those guys you know Jeff and I ran I don't know probably more laps side by side than uh, anybody I've ever raced with and, and we've never had an issue and just uh you know, when you can race like that, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you hate to see the disagreements and the fights and the hurt feelings and, and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, those things, what happens on one night so insignificant in the grand scheme of stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's part of our social life and getting to be with those folks on the weekends and seeing them. And, you know, it's, uh, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. It it really does, even even from a fan's perspective, but you know, drivers and, and the people you compete with and uh, week in and week out is is still really when it comes down to it what, what makes it fun. Um For sure. really. You know, when it when it comes down to it. I I can agree with that completely. Well you mentioned you mentioned a few there, but I want to give you a, a chance as well. Wes Wes usually usually asks this, but uh I beat you to it this time, Wes. Uh I wanna give you a chance to make sure you uh tell us who all helps you with your racing endeavors. Get up and get up and down the road every week once this once this season uh, gets gets amped up here. Well, I mean, I really go back to the start. What from my grandfather, my dad, many, many years ago, this would have never started to been able to continue. And, um, but really and truly, uh, Bobby, uh, Knuckles, and um, Jeff here in the shop. You know, Kyle Anderson and and Rudiman have been, you know, amazing to work with and have really, you know, helped us advance our program and. And, and, you know, when I first got back in these things, I, I didn't feel very relevant. Um, I'd been out of them a long time. I didn't understand the technology. And it took a while to really get up to speed. And, and I made a lot of mistakes trying to overdrive the car and trying too hard. And, um, you know, it just seemed like last year that things were so much more comfortable. And um, we really had a piece that we felt like was, was really, really good. So, you know, and then, of course, um, you know, just anybody out there that gives you a cheer or, you know, I, I had a lady, a lady come in the jail the other day you know, in the lobby for to have some paperwork done, similar like what you were talking about. And she said, are you the Jamie Mosley that used to drive in NASCAR? And I said, yeah, that's me. I'm just the jailer now though. And, um, so, you know, everybody, I mean, you know, it, it, it's fun, um, you know, for anybody that, that helps us in any way. And, um, I don't have any sponsors and to be honest with you, I don't want any, um, yeah. you know, we're, we're for, very blessed that, 
um, you know, our the business side of things have done well for us, and you know, we'll we'll have our jailbreaker potato chips back on the car this year, and um, you know, I when I can't afford to do it anymore on my own, I'll probably just quit because I spent a lot of years uh, going to sponsor appearances and 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 you know, trying to put the funding together to do it, and I didn't want that to be a part of of this i just wanted this to be all fun and uh yeah you know when when i can't do it anymore i'll i'll sell all this stuff and you know do something else i'll go play golf i guess but. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound near as much fun no. as racing but i know i know what you mean it's and, a heck of a lot cheaper i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> it would be i guarantee it would be so yeah, no, I, I completely understand your your reasoning behind that for sure, and glad you're glad you're still able to do it, and hopefully you can you can keep doing it for for many years to to come. We look forward to to seeing you at the at the racetrack this season. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time out of your day to to come on here and and talk racing with us. We we definitely appreciate it. Well, Before we jump off, tell us tell us a little bit about the the jailbreaker potato chips. So, you know, when we started, when I created the, the electronic cigarette for jails and prisons several years ago, you know, there was really no regulation on that product at that time. Well, since then, we have went through, you know, a very, very expensive process to become FDA approved, which is still ongoing. And it really signaled to us that, you know, while we'd created this distribution line, you know, throughout about 30 states, with that product, it would be very easy to plug other products in as well. Um, you know, we have dis distributors through, you know, several states, through national companies and regional commissary companies that provide that service to the jails. But we wanted to do something that was not regulated and a, a chip or a food product of that type seemed like the, the simplest to do. Um, we also, began to realize, you know, with the, the electronic cigarette that when inmates were released that they wanted to continue using the product. So they would, they call us every single day and we, we don't offer it outside of institutions, but we, we recognized that it was creating a retail demand with those products. So we, with the potato chip, it is available in convenience stores. And I, I know several, um, you know, down in that Madison County area and Berea, those chips are down there modern vending out of Somerset represents that product for us in those convenience stores. And, uh, you know, while the institutions are, you know, still the core part of our business, we, we do want to continue building that brand and um, expanding it throughout Kentucky. And, and then hopefully, uh, you know, start bleeding into, you know, our neighboring States as well. So, you know, it being on the race car just makes perfect sense. And, and we do usually have them at the racetrack, you know, if anybody wants to buy a bag and, um, you know, everybody loves the chips. Uh, we wanted to do something kind of fun, and that's why we called it Jailbreaker. The bag's black and white, you know. So it's uh, it's been a lot of uh, uh, been a lot of fun doing that product and and seeing it grow. And uh, the best, most rewarding part of it is when people come up and say, "I love those chips," you know. Yeah, I, I do love a good potato chip, so I'll have to. We'll, I we'll, haven't tried we'll, those. I'll have to try those sometime. We'll make sure that we get you some. We'll we'll have some with us at the racetrack wherever we're at. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds Sorry like that, a Josh. I, you know, 
I had to get the last word in, you know, here you're trying to wrap the show up and you know, <laughs> get off of here. And I had to ask one more question. Well, so. you usually do, but eventually we're going to have to let this guy go. We'll be here at 12 o'clock midnight. So, uh, uh, yeah, but anyway, I know you have to get the last word in Wes. I, I get that for sure. I, I wouldn't have it any other way, but, um, yeah, it has been a lot of fun having you on here and hearing about everything from your racing career to the, to the potato chips and electronic cigarettes. So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff, uh, really. And, uh, it's been, been a lot of fun. It, it truly has. And thank you for, thank you for coming on here with us this evening. Well, thanks guys. And we look forward to seeing you at the racetrack soon. Yeah. That sounds good, good, buddy. We'll, we'll do it for sure. Sounds great. Thank you, Jamie. Good luck this year, buddy. All right, Jamie Jamie Mosley. Uh, he's he's currently the 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 Laurel County Jailer, uh, race car driver, uh, potato chip company owner. He does a little bit of everything, but uh, a great guy and uh, good to have him. A local, another local guy on here with us this evening. And man, what a what a what some stories! What a career! What a racing career! And he's lived the dream that. Um, he's done something that a lot of us can only dream about. And so it was yes. cool to, cool to hear about all that, all that, uh, with his racing career for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely was, uh, so cool to have him on here tonight and, uh, to hear about his career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, while we've got you on here still, we've got a few people left on with us. We're we're going on a couple hours, so we're starting to lose some people, but thank you guys for watching us. We want to quickly give you just the the race weekend um outlook before we let you go i made a post on on our facebook page so you can look there as well if you if you need to be in the know about what's coming up this weekend in the dirt racing world here locally but uh thunder mountain speedway this coming saturday night will be a regular show including junior front wheel drives there for them be the first race out for the junior front wheel drives they're doing a, a like i said a regular show but it'd be a good time for you, all of you to go out to thunder mountain speedway uh this weekend uh, and then also Ponderosa Speedway is having a practice session on Friday night from 6.30 to 10.30. I believe I saw the time there for that. So you drivers plan on racing at Kentucky's Baddest Bull Ring this year. be a good chance for you to get out there and, and tune, things, tune things in, get ready for the, uh, the season coming up there. Uh, Rockcastle Speedway is having an uh, uh, open – practice session as well from 3 to 9 p.m this saturday so uh if you if you need a last chance there i know their first race is coming up on april 22nd there at rock castle uh and then the uh valvoline iron man series one of our sponsors here on the podcast uh, chris tilly uh they are racing this weekend at the bad fast taz just past middlesboro's not far from the tennessee kentucky state line go out go out there and check them out uh, Twenty one thousand to win for for late models there so that'll be a good show i know they've already got a lot of pre-entry some big big names coming up for for that race down there at, at taswell uh and then just sort of looking into the into the future a little bit uh lake cumberland speedway on April 15th, they're having the American All-Stars, uh, fifth, uh, not 15,000, 3,000 to win uh, there. And then uh, Mud Lick Valley Raceway, uh, their opening night is April 15th as well. As I said, uh, Rock Hassel's opening night is April 22nd. 
And then uh, Richmond Raceway will open things up with the Damn Yankees 50 on April 29th. That's on the, on a Saturday. And some some other events mixed in there as well, but just wanted to get everybody's opening opening nights in. Ponderosa Speedway uh, on uh, yes. Friday the 21st. Of yeah, April. that's right. Be their, yep. their opener, um, Iron Man Late Model Series coming to town. Yep. Don't forget with that the, one. That's going to be a big night at the yep. pond. Absolutely, it will as well. I've got the speaker ordered. We're planning on doing some live shows. It should be here any day, so we'll be able to do some do some of these shows live from the track and have drivers come over for interviews and other things. Just another way for drivers to be able to interact with fans, and I think that'll be a, be a lot of fun. So looking forward to all these tracks getting started this year. And it's going to be a going to be a great uh, 2023 season. We we can't wait. It's, it's a loaded month, man. Once it once it gets started, it's really it just gets going, and and I'm excited about it for sure. Yes, sir. Well, let's go ahead real quick and just I want to thank take a minute here just to thank all of our our sponsors. Of course, our uh, podcast is presented by Dirt Racing the Bluegrass Live is presented by Smokehouse Grill and Buffet just off exit 77 in Berea. Uh, stop by, check them out, grab you, grab you a bite to eat, some good food there. Uh, Racetrack Connection, everybody download that Racetrack Connection app. Fans, drivers, download that app, create your profiles. I know several have done that through the podcast, Sherman was telling me, so keep downloading that app. The more drivers we can get on there to build their profiles, the more usable the app will be, so uh, please, please do that. Uh, Bluegrass Restoration and Construction, the detail shop, uh, Extreme Style Signs and Graphics, uh, Fast Track Racing Series, Ultimate, Heart of America, Super Late Model Series, uh, Dirtman Diecast, CT Promotions, Mudlick Valley Raceway, Richmond Raceway, Rockcastle Speedway, Thunder Mountain Speedway, Lake Cumberland Speedway, Ponderosa Speedway, the Valvoline Ironman Series, and the Bruce Built Performance Ironman Open Wheel Modified Series. Did I get them all, Wes? You got them all. And we're right. so thankful for each and every one of them. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. And I, and I think we're going to have a few more added. We're going to have to figure out where we're going to put them on this screen. So We're going to make the screen you. bigger. Yeah, we're going to have to. I don't know if that's possible, but we might have to. We got room that, right up here. We're going to put them right, right up here. Well, it just depends on how you change the screen, though. <laughs> we'll <laughs> yes, figure we'll, out we'll find somewhere. That's right. We'll find somewhere to put them. We do. We truly do. We thank everybody for their support, uh, each and every one of you. We we wouldn't be able to do what we've been able to accomplish without without you. So uh, it, it is definitely appreciated. Thank you to everybody that's watched and listened and the, and the very few that are still left on here with us. They're the hardcore ones. So, yes. Um, but, yes, it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. We're, we're just glad to be able to do it. Uh, for the second time in a row, Wes, I want to be able to say this. It's going to mean something. Uh, this weekend coming up, Thunder Mountain Speedway, their second event of the season. And then that following week, uh, a lot more events. But until next time, this has been Dirt Racing in the Bluegrass Live presented by Smokehouse Grill and Buffet. We will see you at the races.